Beyond Radley. Business, careers, and more. Virtual talks by experts from our community. Good afternoon and a very warm welcome to all members of the Radley community and to any of our school partners who've joined us today on Zoom. My name is Caroline Monaghan and I'm responsible for our new Beyond Radley speaker programme, a series of talks designed to give you an insight into the world of work. We'll bring you three of these talks a week on various career paths or in broader concepts like entrepreneurism or the value of networking. All of our talks are recorded and if you're interested in watching the videos, then they're on the Radley video area of our website. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to old Radleyan Henry Hereford, actor and producer, best known for his roles in Crossbones alongside John Makovich and Claire Foy, and for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and True Blood. When Henry left Radley in 1993, he knew he wanted to become an actor, but not exactly how to go about it. Henry is going to talk about his career pathway, what he learned along the way, and how to gain greater awareness as an actor through trying out things like writing, producing, coaching, and publishing. I'm going to hand you over to Henry. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, so I'll, as Caroline said, I left Radley knowing I wanted to be an actor, but I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. And the first thing I'll say to you, there is, there are no rules and, you know, you'll be given a lot of advice on how this is the way you should do things. And I, my experience is that you should, um, from my experience is there, there are many different routes to take. I decided to go and get a degree, not in acting. I, um, I decided to get a degree in politics, which was, um, for me, it was the right thing to do. So when I came out of drums, when I came out of university, I knew even more that that's what I wanted to do. But while I was at university, I decided that I would um, learn about my industry from from the other side. So I went and worked. Initially, I went and worked for a casting director, a very well-known casting director in London. Um, I opened a book at the time it was it was called contact is now all online but it was a book which basically listed every casting director every agent in the UK and I just started writing letters it was before email so I um wrote to uh, as many of them as I could because I wanted to understand as an actor you know the first person that will receive your material your headshot your cv um when you're being pitched for a job will be the casting director. They are the, essentially the gatekeepers of the industry. They will decide um, whether to bring you in for an audition. So I needed to learn, I felt, how it worked from their point of view. So I would see how they, you know, looked after, you know, worked out which actors they would choose and what actors were presenting the right materials. So I went and worked for um, this casting director over a summer. Um, and on, on a huge play festival. So we had very high profile actors working on, you know, qu short plays, but they were high profile at the time. So I came in and did everything. Um, I was photocopying scripts. I was contacting agents to try and get their clients to come in. I had a, a list uh, uh, every morning of, of the agents, the actors that I needed to try and bring in, that the, the casting director, through the directors, had really wanted to come in. So I then, you know, began dealing with agents on a daily basis. So I was like, well, right, now I need to go and work for an agent because I need to understand how that works. 
And um, so that's what I did. An agent that I built up a relationship with while I was working for the casting director, I then contacted them and they brought me in to come and work with them. And I then learned how to pitch actors to the casting directors for the jobs. And um, I realized then that I still wanted to be an actor after all of that. And um, I applied for drama school. And back then, um, you really, it was probably the only way really into the industry is to go to, to, to a drama school, which that involves auditioning um, and often two or three auditions to get in. I would say now, and I'll sort of touch on it later, that there are, I don't think today it's necessarily the only way to get experience and to start working as an actor. Um, so while I was, I, so I applied for drama school, I made my selection and I went there. And obviously drama school is incredibly important, particularly in, within the, with the theatre. You learn so many skills that are vital if you're going to perform on stage, like um, movement, voice, and you get to perform a lot on stage. So again, it's really important. But back when I was doing it, we had one day a year, maybe, that we touched on screen work, which um, is very, it's very different today. But it was something that I, even that one day, really made me realize that, that that's where I, as much as I love the theater, it was where I wanted to, um, uh, where I wanted to channel my efforts as an actor. I really wanted to work on film and television. So I left drama school. Um, I worked um, in London on some short films. It's a great way. Now I would say it's you know very easy to start um, making your own short films, and I would encourage that. Incredi- uh, but back when I finished, it was you, you would often be trying to get into other short films and build a reel. So I started, um, uh, I had an agent at the time who would put me up for short films. I hadn't, I didn't have it. So I had to build a reel is what you need so that then your, your casting directors can watch your reel when your agent submits you for the role. And, um, you, and, and, and then, then they'll offer you an audition. So without anything, you have to start somewhere. And short films are a great way to start. And student films, you often don't get paid for them, but it's the but you get some footage. You get a chance to build your CV, essentially. Um, so that's what I did. I also decided myself that I didn't always want to live in the UK. I wanted to experience living across the world, but I equally wanted to keep pursuing my career. I decided to randomly go to Australia to work as an actor which most people were going the other way but I made it work and I again continued what I was doing um, by finding learning about their industry finding how it worked there getting into short films there working a little bit in television getting an agent it's a much smaller industry I mean there's less there are less jobs but it was in a way for me a little easier to kind of get more known with casting directors and and directors because it was so small um and for me it really worked and at the time i there was a lot of work going on there from overseas but eventually it got to a point where everyone was leaving and going to the us um i returned to the uk 
and continued to um, try and, you know, get into the industry here. Um, I worked, I decided that I would try everything to try and get to, to try and get into the industry here. And I ended up working on someone's film with them as a, an assistant. And then they gave me a role in it. It wasn't huge, but it, it only added to my CV further. And at that point, I realized that I really wanted to progress, move forwards. And um, while I've been working in Australia, everyone had been moving to the United States. So I had a lot of contacts there. I, had a, I built up um, a lot of friends who were actors. So I decided to, to make that move. And I went over in 20, uh, 2008 and um, started taking classes. And that's the great thing about the US, which is now happening in the UK. And it's exciting for any of you that want to become actors because it's now when I left, there wasn't, there wasn't this um, idea of continuous training. You went to drama school and then you, you waited essentially for work. Whereas now, I think the US way of doing things is that you keep training, you know, you keep, um, you know, you wouldn't run a marathon um, on no, without having run, you know, trained for it, essentially. So you start, so I started training back you know as an actor um but in the evenings and i was training with people who i would see on tv during the week they were not just assuming not just because they had a job that they were they didn't need to train anymore so it was a really exciting place to be in that uh, uh from that perspective and that's when i started really building my credits i ended up working on a nickelodeon television show um and then that followed with um the girl with the dragon tattoo with david fincher and um and then i did very a couple of other television shows and then i got a tv show called crossbones with john malkovich and claire foy and that was really um one of the most amazing experiences for me as an actor and especially to go on location i literally found out on a friday night i'd uh, well, first of all, I auditioned by tape, which is now, because of COVID, is now the normal in the UK. But that's it. in the US, it's been a normal way of doing things for a long time, because a lot of times the producers are not in in LA, um, so they need they need the tapes wherever they are. If they're shooting in New Orleans or if they're shooting in New York, um, you go and you know, you'll, you'll tape at home, you'll set up your audition, um, your, your iPhone on its tripod and um, get a friend to read the other lines and then you edit it all together and then send it to your agent who sends it off. So I had auditioned for Crossbones via tape. Everyone had, I believe, because the casting director was in New York, so she couldn't um, hold any sessions. And then two weeks later, I, I was told I had, been offered the part and it was one one episode but I'd have to fly out to Puerto Rico for about five weeks because they were bringing in real sh it was a pirate show um so it was set in the 1700s and they were bringing in real ships from Spain so I would need to be there for the whole time which was pretty exciting so I left I was told I had the job on the Friday and I flew out on the Monday and then while I was there I got to experience 
um, one of the most, you know, why really why, you know, I've become an actor. So I was now on this show with these incredible actors on location and um, working with some of the most skilled people that I'd ever met. Like we had, for example, my cabin or my ship in the 1700s was inside a warehouse in a box. But when you walked into the box, it was as if, as if it was a ship from that time period. We you know with quills, with with um, bookshelves and lamps and everything. Um, and you know we had explosions, and then we had the real ships that we went that we would then film the exteriors on, where we were taken out on speedboats into the middle of the ocean. We got on the boat, got everyone ready, and then the director came in in a helicopter and. To, did the take from there so you can imagine it was pretty pretty exciting and I was quite sad at the, towards the end because I was only doing one episode my character had been murdered so I was going home um, there was no doubt about it but just before um, I was due to leave the showrunner so the creator of the show who is there or he wrote it and his name is Neil Cross and he wrote a British TV show called Luther um, and recently another show called The Sister. Um, he uh, came up to me and, and told me that he really wanted me to stay. I wasn't quite sure how that would work because you know, my character was dead. Um, but he had decided there was another character in the show that he thought I would be grateful and he wanted to somehow keep me there and they'd obviously have to change my maybe unrecognizable because they couldn't know it was me and um so we went you know and obviously when you're working on a television show in the u.s there are hundreds and hundreds of producers it was with nbc as a network so you've got all these people that have a say in what happens and often that can it's out of your control quite often but he was able to convince one of the producers who was a bit skeptical to do a hair and makeup test um, and see if it would work. And so on my last day as the other character, I was whisked into the makeup and hair, uh, into, in, into the, uh, where, where they do the, um, I don't think of the word now, but basically they, I went in there and they, um, into the trailer and they didn't know really what, they were doing and the great thing was and part of you know the whole experience of being an actor is I'd spent five weeks with you know the amazing people who did the hair and uh, did the makeup so we had a rapport and so they were just like well we know we've got to do something and I was playing a, a, a sort of guy who lived in the forest um, who made bombs for John Malkovich's character Blackbeard and they knew I had to look different and they had this wig that was was going to have to be used so we they went to work and just when they finished there was no one around so they decided to bundle me in the van to lunch and i joined the queue and came stood next to the producer that had an issue and he just looked at me like i was an extra and then i obviously revealed who i was and he had no choice then but to allow me to come back and do, do do that role and I came back for another 
seven episodes, six or seven episodes to the end of the series and, and obviously became, you know, it became a huge part of my life and, 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 and my acting career. And then Neil has, you know, since become a great friend and put other bits of material in front of me. And I think it was, it was just, I think sometimes for me, it probably took longer than many other people to get to that point in my career. But I think I wanted to continuously do it and I never stopped wanting to, to, to be an actor. And I tried every way round, you know, kept working on my craft, kept keeping in touch with people and also being aware that sometimes you, the moment where your skills and everything you've worked for might, will come into it to its own at a different time. And, um, I think it's, 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 um, but it's different for everyone, but I think I'm a sort of a, an example of, of kind of pursuing it for a while before what would be termed a, a big break. I mean, I worked along the way and did, you know, various different roles, but the big role for me where things really changed, you know, came perhaps a little later than people that I went to drama school with. Um, but I think that's what I would say is that, you know, there's no, there's no right path um, if, you, if it's something that you want to pursue. If you really, really want to do it, there's no a particular way of doing it, I would say. And I think compared to when I was doing it, there are so many more options, um, particularly with film and television. I mean, I don't believe, you know, I believe, I don't believe it's necessary. You, you don't have to go to drama school for three years. I think there are very, very many, there are many ways in which you can get skills, particularly with camera. It's, it's, it's a totally different way of acting and you can learn a lot of that by taking short courses or, um, working on working yourself and practicing, um, which is what I would say to, now to my younger self if I was um, perhaps uh, you know coming into the industry now. Um, and I would say, and also there are many. I since I've done, done Crossbones, I've I worked on a film um, two years ago, and I ended up. I knew the I knew the um, producer on the show who brought me on, and I they asked me if I would help producing, and I didn't know anything about producing, but actually I did. I'd worked I'd worked on a television show. I I, I made a real out of my own interest. I made an effort to understand what every job was within, with particularly in a in a, in a television show, which is you know hundreds and hundreds of people. And when I worked on Crossbones, I'm every every day you would get a call sheet that you were working, which had list you know what scenes you were doing, who what time you were being picked up, what time you'd be working, what time you would be finishing, and on the back it would list every single person working on that production, from people in the offices all the way back in LA to you know lighting, to production management, to costume. Um, and I used to go back to the hotel every day and look at the list and try and make make sure I could picture every person on that page in my head so that when I saw them the next day or in a week's time, if they weren't working that day, I would know their name and it would build the relationships. And I think that is one of the 
most things that I think has kept me moving forwards and getting more networking in a sense, if you like to call it that, but like building relationships is, is, is really important, especially with crew and all the people that you work with. Cause I think I, I see, you see a lot of other, a lot of actors, particularly, you know, on American television who don't, they just think it's all about them and what they do. And it certainly helped me now I'm producing, I've just produced a film that finished, you know, the, I wasn't in as an actor, but um, it starred Andrea Riseborough and Alison Janney, which we just finished just before Christmas. And it was an incredible experience to be on that from the beginning when my friend first found the script to try and, um, and but because I think I've always had an interest in what other people do around you when you're to make the, you know, you're a team. Everyone has their, their job to do. and um, it means that the production is a success and you have as few, I mean, obviously when you're doing a huge TV show, there are going to be things that come up, but the, the, but the, the, if it's, if it's a happy set where the relationships are working very well and everyone respects what everyone does, then, then it's, it's, it's an incredible experience. And, you know, when you, when also working with, with that show is the number one on our list with, you know, with John Malkovich, who, I'm sure you all know is an incredible actor, but he's also an incredible person. And he, the number one on the call sheet, so the most important person or the leading person, they they lead as if, you know, and so everyone else follows by example because of his um, amazing uh, leadership. It was, it was an incredible experience for all of us. Um, so, and I think I would say now the pandemic has, you know, theatres are closed and, um, you know, there's, there is less work out there, but I think, I think there'll be, I feel very positive about the next step, particularly with film and television. I think we've become much more, we've adapted. Um, people, you know, the, the it's a, technology is much easier to use. It's much cheaper. And I think if any of you are, looking to get into the industry as actors or even thinking about other um, areas of the industry, you have the ability now to create your own work for nothing all the time and get yourself into a place where, you know, you, you can come into the industry. There's so many ways that you can um, showcase your material. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I would say in that respect. And then, um so that's my story um thank you henry we've we've actually got a, a question on the chat already um from uh, mr pullen if he if he was new to the industry how does he find a good agent is it easy to persuade an agent to take you on no you i what i would say is you never want to persuade an agent to take you on you and any time you go for an agent interview you have to remember you are interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And I think I would say as an actor, yes, you're creative and you have those skills, but you also have to be, think of yourself as a business. You, you run every single department within your business. So you have to decide um, where you're going to allocate resources if, if, if that, you know, if you're going to, you know, do that, 
do that workshop that you wanted to do you know can you afford to do that within your 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 business and i think the same is with agents and i think i learned that along the way initially when i came out of you know and i wish someone had told me that when i came out of drama school the idea and i think it it was a little a little bit more close it definitely was more close shop when i came out of drama school because i think then you really had to have an agent and you were it was it was impressed upon you now i mean you do have you do need one to an extent that you some of the bigger jobs always go through agents but at the end of the day when you're starting out you're building and i think if you look at it that way rather than you know you 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 can go if you come out of drama school or you have a couple of short films you can join spotlight which is um the the platform where all your stuff is stored so you you know your your cv your headshots all those um skills that you have or your showreel and then you know before you have an agent they allow you to sub- self submit to various not everything but to to things that so you therefore have a little way in and you can submit for short films you can submit for um uh you know student films and and sometimes some bigger things if you have a skill that no one else has often casting directors on on um big shows particularly if, if period shows if if you can ride a horse really well and you've got that you know and you and you can you have to be sure you can because otherwise you know people have got this trouble for saying they can do something and they can't but um you know that you know you could end up on on something you could an opportunity could arise if you can do that and that's when often casting directors will look outside the box you know they'll go onto spotlight and they'll they'll put it out to everyone to all actors that aren't represented and the agents you know they're looking for someone who can speak french and ride a horse for example and if you can do that you're going to get a chance and i think and sometimes agents come along at they'll come along at the right time i mean i know why my manager in 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 la who i've been with for 12 years now he i wrote to him a year before and he never replied i never got any response i moved you know things happened i moved i had someone else looking after me and then i tried again a year later and he replied straight away and brought me in to the office and here we are and then he kept calling me after i'd been in knowing i had a couple of other meetings at the time and he kept saying and that's the way it should be i suddenly realized then that is the way it should be they should be calling you and then you might walk out of a meeting with an agent and go you know what i don't like them um they might be you know working at independent but they may not be for you and i know for example people that i went to drama school with a couple of them got taken on by you know the age, i mean a couple of them don't exist anymore but at the time they were the you know it was like you came out dreaming oh if only they'd take me on and some people did get taken on but they after 6 months if they weren't booking a job they they were sort of not with them anymore so sometimes it it it's all and you never and one thing i would say is never compare yourself to other people um to your peers because it just 
it just doesn't work because everyone is everyone is unique in what they give as an actor it's just you know it's like you someone will get that role over over some you know sometimes it does happen that someone gets a role because they know someone but ultimately you'll get the role if it it's because so many people get how get are involved in the process particularly in film and television that you have to just focus on what you can control so if you get an audition you work really hard on it you know it better than you think you know it and then you go into the audition and you do you you walk in you essentially you have to walk in forget everything you've forget everything you've been working hard on and do the you know do the work and then after that when you walk there's you know you can walk out going i know i did my best work then everything else is irrelevant because you know you could go in and then they've changed the role to a woman you could go in and they've they've cut the role which has happened more to me at least two or three times or they've and even before I've been working on the edition and then they've called up and said, no, it's not happening because that role's been cut. Um, and, but often you won't know that. You will just think I didn't get the role. And so the more you can walk out of an audition and forget about it, the, the, the easier it will be to go into the next one. Because I think you can't, you, you, and you realise when you work in television, you know, the, the number of people, producers that will have been sent now, it's all tape, which is great because it means you can, you've got a lot more access, but people will have seen your work and they will have chimed in and said, oh, I don't, I don't know, or, you know, and then you've got the thing where someone happens to know someone, it's their cousin or their niece or, and there's, again, there's nothing you can do about that. But one day you might be in that position that gets because you know someone and I think you just have to kind of keep you just you have to be patient and not necessarily and just see how things go and as long as you're doing your best work and the right thing will, will will come up and I know you know often you you might go in for a show eight times and then the ninth time you'll get the job yes yeah, so it won't be anything to do Sorry, I was going to say, it's, not, it's like any job interview. I think that you yeah. just cannot take it personally. You really need to just keep going and be resilient. We've got a couple more questions on the chat here. Mm. Um, we have one about show reels on behalf of the six one. So if you don't have a professional screen work to use on a show reel, would you recommend using a specific company who produce show reels? Yeah, I mean, I've, I actually think they are so good now. And again, do your research because there will be some that are better than others. And, you know, but, you know, probably two or three years ago, I was still hearing and in, in, in the UK that casting directors were like, well, you know, if it, don't put it on your reel, if it's, you know, not professional, we can tell. But actually that's, I don't, if they can't, quite often I've seen them look at people's reels and not know but because the, the footage is so good. If you can find someone that can give you, what I would say is find someone who can write a few lines, you decide in your head what you, what you say to them. I want three scenes, and that's probably a good way to start, two or three scenes that show me as 
this kind of character or that kind of character. And then if they can write you or between you and friends that know you well, can write a small scene, but whereas you, where you are the only person talking, but there's someone in the scene that you can see. So it's like it's been extracted from a Holby city or a casualty, for example. And we're just seeing that small moment of you. Then I think it, it, it's a great way to start building reels because it's hard with, with short films and student films because you do the, you do the work. You then have to wait for the footage. Then you are hoping the footage is going to be the best. You, your, the bit you did is going to be easy to edit out onto a reel. And also how long they're going to take to get it to you. So I think these companies are, yeah, do your research, but I think some of them probably are really good. And I've seen some in the US that are incredible. And I've, I've seen them. They put a bit of music underneath. It's like you're watching like five seconds of Silent Witness, for example. But it's enough to start, you know, building because essentially if you've got something that you in a hospital bed, for example, talking to a doctor, we, but we just see you, you know, and the acting's good then that might be enough for an agent to take you on and then submit you to casualty. And they'll go, oh, fine, we know he, he can do casualty, you know, a person and, you know, someone that, you know, had appendix out or something, for example. And then they'll bring you in for the audition. So I, I think there's a bit of snobbery around there about, about not about putting those kind of reels together. I disagree with that because I've seen it work and I've seen, and then once you start getting, you know, your, professional work on there you just start moving things off you, you mix and match and you've got to constantly keep your um your reel up to date um but i think you should i think there are no rules in the sense that if it's professional and the acting's good they won't notice brilliant thank you henry i have another question on the chat here i'm thinking of doing a degree before going into the acting industry similar to yourself henry how much do you recommend taking part in the uni acting clubs like Footlights? Oh, a couple of questions in here. So taking part in the clubs, how nece necessary is it to work in between projects? And for how long did you have to wait before you got an audition for a show? And if you can't remember all that, then come back to me and I'll remind you. Um, I think if you want to go, I mean, for me, I'm really glad I went to university because I, you know, obviously left, I left Radley, I was 17. I think just turning on 18 and I drama school is, is a very intense period of time. And I think in my year, there may have been 40 of us. And I think for me going to university was really, really important. I, you know, to, just to, to get a bit of life experience. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't do anything drama wise while I was there. I spent time on the other side. Um, well, though I did join an extras agency in Bristol and I, and I did uh, um, work as an extra on Casualty because it was it was used to be filmed at Bristol, and that was really that was I had then had to kind of wipe it. No one could know about it because again there was snobbery about you can never let anyone you know you're an extra, which again I think is crazy, but it, it's it's one of those things. But it actually also it gave me experience being on a set. I had no idea necessarily how things worked and there's a lot of sitting around um doing that but you if you if you're interested and intrigued you can you get paid and you get to you get fed 
um, and you get to see what what's going on. I mean, some people do it as a living, um, or they, you know, they did. Um, but for me, it was it was I was you know I think I finished exams one year in Bristol, and I decided to to, to see if I could you know get some experience. So why not get paid and um, learn how it works? The more you understand these, you know that 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 kind of thing, and that's why I would say while you're at university and, and, and doing drama clubs, whatever whatever you're interested in, if you want to, you know, get involved, you should get involved. But also, I think you can um, uh, learn about other parts of the industry. You can start putting your own stuff together. I would take, if you're interested in film and television, take a camera class when you can, even if it's just learn. It's so important to know how you individually come across on camera because it's very different to what you think and and not in a bad way but it's just I think if you understand how the camera works what, and what the camera picks up on it's really interesting and it can be really fun because you can you can see by watch why record and you have the ability to do this kind of thing yourself like you can take an out on camera class and it's, it's a skill in just the technical of where to stand where you should be looking and how you can have a conversation with someone who's actually over here, but you, for the sake of the camera angle, you need to be talking there. So it's all those things that you would never do on a stage, but they're vital to know that when you get on the set and someone talks about cheating someone out of the, you know, out of the shots, you understand what's going on. And I think you could, you, you can practice all that stuff. And I think um, there's, there's more and more on camera stuff going on in the UK now and especially with Zoom it's like you're on camera anyway so you can do a lot of um watching you know classes and 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 once you you know come out of Zoom essentially I think it'll still be used a lot um but that's yeah long answer but I I would yeah get involved in as much as you want to get involved that gives you more understanding of, of of what you want to do um, the final question was on that on the um, on the Sorry. question. No, no, it's okay. Um, for how long did you have to wait before you got an audition for a show? It's it's one of those things where you. I uh, I'm trying to think. Way back then, I know in the US, I I probably didn't. You know, it's probably about a month or two that I waited, and then I, you know, I had a, it was one of the worst auditions I've ever had because I wasn't. I put also put too much. It was an audition for Mad Men. It was one episode, but I put so much on that audition, and rather than just honing in on the on the character and what I needed to do, and going, and then so everything else threw me, in a sense that we were all lined up in a corridor, going in one by one, and the guy that had wrote and created the show was sitting on a couch inside when they used to they don't necessarily producers don't normally come to the room anymore because they don't need to um but yeah so I probably but I've had periods of time where I've had several months between auditions and it's that's when you need to make sure that you're keeping yourself ready for that for it so that you're not when the audition comes in you're not going oh I have to get this otherwise because I haven't been in for an audit because when you walk in that room they know that they will know they don't know exactly they can feel that you are coming in 
because you desperately need that job. Whereas they want you to come in just to come in and do the work and connect and leave. And so the more you're training and practicing, and it doesn't have to be hugely expensive because you can practice with friends, you can put stuff. And what I would say now is you can definitely keep a full-time job going with, but keep this, if, if, if finance to get into, you know, drama school is very expensive. And a lot of, a lot of being in that setting up can be, but I think now you can, there's so many ways of doing even, you know, getting your skills up in the meantime. Um, and yeah, practicing, you know, keeping like being in a gym, like a. Um, out of interest, do you still get nervous and how do you handle your nerves if you, if you do still get nervous? Um, yeah, of course. I think, I think you wouldn't, I think you kind of probably don't do your best work if you're not a bit nervous. And I think it's just trying to channel um, into the part because everyone's got some, even if you're, you know, robbing a bank in the, as a character, you're, you're going to be nervous that it's not going to go well, or it might, you know, you might get caught. So it's, it's finding those, that's where you would channel the nerves that you are going. And then, then that's going to feed into the character. I think if you try and never, ever try and get rid of nerves, because that, that, that will just, it will never, you'll, just look like you're trying to not be nervous and it won't go well so you should just definitely yeah lean into to, to that but I think the more prepared you are the less I think there's difference between being nervous like I haven't done enough work on this to I'm just, just generally nervous about walking into a room and I think also have one thing I'd say as a casting director always told me is I think we often as actors put them in you know and directors uh, much and, and like a, they're standing above us like they have control we're coming in and they're control whereas I think if you come in with the attitude that you're on the same level that you're there to collaborate and give them a give them a an option and then it feels less like you're being judged I think it's just coming in and going you know like you would in any job I'm here to give a presentation if you like it great we can talk further if you don't that's really lovely to meet you because i think as an actor you have to remember casting directors don't just cast that one thing they cost hundreds and they move on and they cost you know so you have to book the room because you want the casting director because you're never going to get every job that's the reality of, of it so i think if you go in with the attitude that the casting director goes you know what or the director or producer whatever who makes the final decision says you know they're just not right for this but I really like them. So they'll, they'll remember you. And that's happened to me before where someone said, oh, we thought you were great and you, know, you don't get the job. And then two years later, they call you for, because nothing has come up in that two years that you've been right for, but they hadn't forgotten because you made an impression on them. So that is kind of building your relationships in that sense. You talked about um, thinking of yourself as a business as an actor earlier. Um, what are the other qualities do you think that it takes to to succeed if you were going to pare it down? Well, I think I've sort of touched it. Well, patience is definitely something you need to, to to have, and not not take it personally, um, and let just being able to 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 sort of let it go, and also. 
I think also I sort of slightly touched on it in the, in the don't compare because I think that I see some of the most I've seen you know colleagues of mine well peers of mine as actors over the years who've really been uh, it's really messed up their well, not messed up their career but they, they've they've not been satisfied because they've continually compared their careers with 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 other people and it's eaten away at them and I think then it becomes and I, I would say that's a really important skill to remember anyway I mean I think most jobs you shouldn't just generally compare yourself to other people because I think but particularly in this job because it can be so easy to say when you get you know you you get an order you know you get auditions sometimes they're like well you know I could play that but but then you'll get other ones where you really connect with the character, you really feel it's you, and you do a really great job, and you feel it's your job. But I think it, that can be slightly dangerous in a sense because you you become so attached to it, and then the other person gets it, and you start trying to go, well, what did they have that I didn't have? And it's it's a it's a rabbit hole that you shouldn't go down. Um, and I think yeah, looking at yourself as a business in a sense of all learn one be one thing really 100 percent. i think a lot of actors try and particularly try and be something they're not then play they want to play everything and i think until you're you've reached a point in your career where you know you're being you have that flexibility to say to someone you know, I'm that you're well, that well known, or you know, that you can go off and do something different. But I think you, there's, for me, it's it's working out where you fit in the industry, particularly in film and television. It's like, what kind of type are you? What, and even ask your friends. You know, write down twenty things that you think of. You know, about you know what kind of thing, you know people I would play, um, because it will just help you understand get yourself in the best so you want to be a hundred you know the, the best version of you when you go into that room and I think the problem is a lot of actors when they get a knockback they go well I'm doing something wrong I need to change I need to be like this and then they'll cast me and that and that can be sort of a big mistake in a sense because you know we all want to be versatile and I think you know some some actors are more versatile than others but I think the actors that succeed the most really know who they are and pursue that. And if, you know, a year goes by um, where you're not, you know, you're, they're not looking for, the, for your type of person, that's just the way it is. But a year later or six months later, you could then go in, at, you know, five times a week because that your type is being looked at and I think there's nothing wrong with being typecast you know someone like Hugh Grant made a living out of it a lot of most actors make a living out of being typecast because they've worked out who their audience are and they play to their audience and and I think that it doesn't it's always I think it's always been used as a kind of a negative thing to be typecast but I actually think it's you know it's a skill to know what you can play and what you can play well and once you know that I think you're in a much better a better place because you'll you'll then you'll then book every, you know you'll book you know or you'll at least go in and do a great book every room that you go into doing that role thank you that's where patience comes in i think yeah <laughs>
Uh, another question on the chat here. Um, if you're if you're very young, uh, say 14, and very keen to get into the acting world, would you advise on waiting um, or going for it? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you could try. I mean, I think you certainly can try. Um, I don't think you also have to remember that you don't. You know, if you if if you're not enjoying it, you can stop doing it. I think it's if you're really passionate about it and there are lots of roles for, for, for younger people. And if you're skilled at it, you could, um, there are ways to, you know, see if you can get And it's a lot easier to get an agent, you know, if, if you're 14 than it is if you're 24, because, you know, agents and managers are not going to have, you, you, you wouldn't have, you are not expecting a reel because um when have you done one you know what i mean because you you're just you, you know you're young so i mean it's a case of you know you could look and see if agents are um send your material to agents see if they're looking that's another thing is that your parents could you know do a bit of research find out who are the best young i i guess you i guess you'd be, be like a children's agency i guess still or young adult department. I don't know exactly how they work, but again, that's a resource that your parents could go to in um, the Spotlight, which produces this online um, directory called Contacts. It used to be a book that came out, and now it's all online. So that that's a way to go and do research and find out. Okay, who are the best agencies that look after um, people of this age, and you know, and then start making contact and saying, you know. You know, get get headshots again. Again, the contact provides headshot photographers, and particularly there would be headshot photographers for that specialise in you know younger people. Um, but I don't know. I think I think if I'm honest, if someone had, you know that was available to me, I would have probably you know I I knew you know and I was doing plays at Radley you know from like fourteen well fourteen you know the main play. I had tiny, a tiny role, I think, in when I, when I maybe it was in the second year, I think. Um, so I knew then. So yeah, if, if that kind of thing was 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 an option, I probably would have pursued it. You know, you never know. Thank you, Henry. I see that you've um, well, we've discussed that you've worked abroad in the US and Australia. Would you recommend going and working abroad as a route for? for actors to expand their skill sets and their knowledge and go after new opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to want to live in those places. I think, importantly, like I, you know, I've been, in, I've been to Australia a few times. I knew I liked it and I wanted to, I knew I wanted to live there. So, but I also wanted to keep working as an actor, but I don't think I could have gone somewhere purely to be an act you know just change the scene as I had to enjoy you know the lifestyle had to appeal the same with LA I went and visited first and I always say to other actors you know who go oh you know they want to leave the UK and and, and go across and you know obviously there's the, you know there's the visa issues and, and all those things to be able to work there legally but also I went there to go you know what I've never been to LA you know can I live here because you aren't going to be, you know, in an ideal world, you're, you know, you're on a show for the moment you land. But 
the reality is it doesn't work like that. So you have to enjoy it. And it's not for everyone. And I think now we're in a different position to, to when I moved there, because I think a lot of people who were living in LA when I was there, they now live where they want because so much is not filmed there. It's filmed outside of, um, you know, in other cities. So they live elsewhere. They just have to get to the job. They send a tape. It, it's where it's all going now. And I think, you know, I send tapes. I live in London, but I send tapes to the US. I just have to make sure that I can get to the job if I get offered it. The other thing I would say is what I'd probably do if I was doing things again is Canada, particularly Vancouver, has a huge, it's like a mini Hollywood. It has, I think, maybe 30, 40 television shows and films outside of COVID, obviously, but they are back up on, on working on some of them. And I think for, for Brits, you can get, when you're un, under 30, I believe you can get a year working visa in Canada. Don't quote me, I do, but I believe you can. And lots of people I knew from, you know, from Australia and the UK have since gone over to Vancouver. They can work. They don't have a problem. They can work for, you know, they, they can work in the, in a bar as well or a, or a restaurant, whatever they need to do. But then the, the great thing about the connect, the shows that are filmed in Canada, the U S shows, but by law, they film in Canada to get tax breaks and incentives to film there. And as a, as a kind of the flip side of that is the show has to hire a certain amount of local based actors. So they won't fly. They'll fly a certain amount of actors up from LA, but then the smaller roles, you know, two lines, one line, um, they cast locally. And if you've got a bit of, you know, a CV going on, you've done a, a little bit here and there, and you can get to, you know, Vancouver, you can get an agent. I know actors have got agents there and then worked on huge shows. They just happen to shoot them there. And and then they've come down to LA afterwards, but with a huge body of work, even in smaller roles, but they're ready to move up to the next level. It's one way of doing things. It's not the only way to do something. But again, if you love Canada, you love the outside, being outside it's an option it's it's available and i know people have made it work and then they've worked on you know five or six shows doing two or three lines here and there but they have those shows on their resume and then it means that they get in more doors again it's it's in the, in the, oh, equally i've known people go to atlanta where there's about 25 but again you have to want to live in atlanta which is not everyone's cup of tea but it, it it's, it's it's cheaper to live there um although you still need the visa but again i think one thing i would you know i keep going back to it there's no right way of doing it and i think if you want to go and live in canada toronto also has quite a few shows there it it, it, may, it may be a, a way and you can do it quite easily because of the working visa brilliant thank you final question from me i'm just conscious of time who would you like to work with next oh that's really that's a really hard question. Um, I mean, I would there were some of the so many actors in the UK. Only pick one, Henry. Only pick one. Uh, I mean, I would love to work with um, like someone like um, Judy Dench before you know while she's still working. Um, I think 
I'm just uh, you know Ian McKellen. Um, there's so many great actors that you know. I don't I'm not say you know the the older actors that are you know they're still working and they've just done so much that I think you know you can learn. You you learn so much from them. I mean I can't you know John Malkovich has become a friend and I he he was such an amazing person to work with. Um, and you know all his body of work you know he's got so much to impart to and and is happy to do that so I think working with people that have um been you know been around for a long time and have had so much experience would be a real pleasure thank you that's a tough question yeah <laughs> thanks Henry that was an, that was absolutely invaluable really loads of useful career advice there so thank you very much and thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule pleasure we've learned so much we're really grateful thank you now before we all go I'm just going to tell you about the career talks that we've got coming up um, for the rest of the week on Wednesday we're going to be starting to focus on the concept of entrepreneurism so Doug Carr entrepreneur and CEO of handbag company Melly Mello will talk to you about the highs and lows of his career and what qualities he thinks you'll need to make a successful entrepreneur. And on Friday, we have Hannah Bauer, Global Leadership Development Lead at Vodafone, great title, and a graduate recruitment expert. He'll talk to you about the value of pursuing multiple careers in your lifetime. Thank you, everyone, for attending this event, and we look forward to seeing you at some of our future talks. And thank you, Henry. Bye-bye, everyone. Pleasure. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. Check our channels for the latest news and events from the Radley and Society.